0: Welcome to the Echo Community Church Podcast. At Echo, we're all about being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And on this podcast, you'll hear solid teaching from the Bible from our pastors at Echo. Thanks for checking us out, and enjoy the message. Good morning, how are you? You're the ones that didn't get tickets, right? Okay, yeah, I was, I was kind of prepared, like... Yeah, 11 might be a little thin today so you're the anointed ones we're glad you're here we just pray god's anointing on the rest who are braving the streets of baltimore that they can somehow influence our teams forward today i'm glad that you are here my name's phil i have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor and we have been studying genesis chapter one very familiar for all of us who have ever felt guilty about not reading the bible we've been here we've been in and out of this chapter and uh we're taking we're actually studying the whole book of genesis Uh, it's gonna take us a minute but we'll get through it and uh, learn as much as we can some parts will slow down some parts will speed up and just find the big rocks and and grab onto it but I know because Genesis chapter 1 is our origin story um, it's it's critical it's where the whole Bible begins and so we want to make sure that we have a collective understanding what's in there before I dig into that let me just put a couple things on your radar real quick for the next three Sundays I try not to say I need you to be here the next three Sundays all the time, because if I just say that all the time, it's just gonna turn into a din. There are three unique services that are coming up back to back to back weeks. Next week, the 15th, and then on the 22nd, um, we have a guest teacher who I I invited to come be with us when I knew we were gonna study Genesis. He's my father-in-law. He his name is Paul Drost. Many of you know him. He recently retired as the founding pastor of Grace Assembly of God in Harford County, and is busier than he's ever been. He continues to teach, uh, teach in university. He's he's earned his doctorate, and at the center of his doctoral studies is Genesis chapter one. And he has just, when God called him to be a pastor, he was a freshman as a forestry major at Penn State University because he was always passionate about trees and 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 forests and and and, and nature, and His doctoral studies years later in ministry led him to taking that context and looking at Genesis 1 through the lens of how God created things. And so I really, if there was an opportunity and when he was just the main teacher in the pulpit, that was never an opportunity to ha- for me to have him come and share but he's going to be with us next week and he'll cover the next two sections in genesis one and so i would really love for you to be here to be part of that teaching he he spent so much time in this passage and has so much to share and how we can apply it to our lives so he'll be here in both verses i'll be here too you know I'm not going out of town i'm going to be here but i'm going to be right down there taking notes um, because i want to learn some more from from this chapter and he's he's very qualified to teach us so he'll be here next uh next sunday The following Sunday on the 22nd, he'll teach the next section in the 9 a.m. service. In um, the 11 a.m. service is our Not So Spooky Sunday, which is, uh, it's a Sunday where we invite all the kids to be in the service with us. We let them dress up in their costumes. They do a little costume parade. We do a fun kids message with them, or we hope it's fun, or at least that it ends. And then we're going to release them out to the trunk or treat in the parking lot, with, which Pastor James will talk to you about later. We have a couple fun, a, a couple additional surprises for you that morning Um, And if you want to play a doubleheader, you can come at 9, you can hear the sermon, you can have coffee in between and 11 and do the trunk or treat. You'll be well fed and everything for the day. But I wanted to put that on your radar. Then the fifth Sunday of this month, we rearranged a little bit. That was originally going to be not so spooky. However, um, many of you know, we've been actively supporting one of our missionaries, Nathan and Christine Alfaro, who live in Nicaragua and serve there. We're helping them finish construction construction. On several of their church campuses along with their main campus and you've heard me tell the story of their ministry it just worked out that he was able to accept an invitation and take a really quick leave of absence to come and be with us on Sunday October the 29th he's gonna preach in both services that day Listen, if, you, if you're thinking about skipping a Sunday, wait till I teach, don't do it on that Sunday. I'm telling you, you will be blessed. You will be encouraged. He will build your faith. And I want us to just rally around him and cover him with our prayers. He's, he is literally changing a country down there through his ministry. He is very humble, but an extreme, I mean, his story of how God's built his faith to take this assignment in Nicaragua and what God has done, has deposited so much enthusiasm in my own life for my own calling. I, I really want you to make every reasonable effort to be with us that Sunday. So the next three th- Sundays are all kind of can't miss Sundays. Please don't, it's not like the principal. You don't have to send me a note. You don't have to come to me. Pastor, I need to be out of town for work and I hope you, just do what you need to do. But if you have, if it's possible, be here. Okay, makes sense? You got it? You memorized all that? And you could spit, you can't. All right, that's good. We'll, we'll send you emails and remind you Genesis chapter one, this chapter is near and dear to my heart as someone who likes things neat, tidy, and organized, and kind of gets a little dysfunctional when they're not. I love this section of Genesis chapter one. I've titled this part of the study, How God Deals with Chaos, and we're going to be looking at the first five and a half days of creation. Last week, we didn't get too far, but we tried to answer two questions last week as best we could based on the information the Bible gives us. We tried to answer the question, how did the world begin and why did it begin? And if you were here last week, this will be a reminder if you weren't. Let me just, here's the approach I'm taking this time through Genesis 1. It's not always been my approach. I'm not spending a lot of time presenting all the different possible explanations for some of the unknowns of Genesis chapter 1. I'm not going to spend a lot of time this time talking about... um, you know, how, how long did it take God to make creation? Were these literal 24-hour days? Were they thousand-year days? Were they God-sized days? I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time debating the different ideas between a young earth and an old earth theory. I'm not going to address dinosaurs and some of the other issues. It's not because they're unimportant. Please don't hear me saying that. We're naturally curious about these things. We are, are, we are designed to want to... God made you and I to be curious and welcomes our curiosity as an avenue for us to seek for truth. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. All that I stated last week is that this time through, I'm just drawing out the. what I want to show you, is that Genesis 1, Moses structured it as a song, not so much as a scientific essay. And we have to have realistic expectations for how much science and detail you can pull out of any song. Because at the end of the day, he uses some poetic form like repetition and structure and symmetry to show us more about why God made the world than how it began. However, within the song lyrics, he does use some narrative prose language and he does give us some explanation as to how the world began. He just talks a little bit less about how and spends a whole lot more on the why. And what we landed on was at minimum, here's what the Bible says. The world began when God created it out of nothing by speaking, that God was the uncaused cause, that in the beginning God already existed, God didn't have a beginning, and he, because he could and he wanted to, he created, it didn't happen by accident, it was created It was created ex nihilo, out of nothing. In other words, God didn't take a bucket of Legos and build it. He created it out of nothing. He didn't take a bunch of existing organisms, because then they would be pre-existent. pre-existent. He didn't didn't take a bunch of organisms, and that's why I have a hard time with the theistic theistic evolution argument, but that's neither here nor there. And that uh, he did it by speaking. He didn't do it necessarily by thinking by itself. He did it by speaking. And that's what the Bible says about how. It doesn't give us all the science, but quite candidly, it does give us enough if it's the truth, and I believe that it is. If God really is preexistent and all-powerful, then that's enough. He created it by speaking out of nothing. Or, he created it out of nothing by speaking. That's, that's enough. It doesn't satisfy all of the different questions that we have, but it's enough. However, we spend a lot more time looking at the why. Why did God make the world? And we drew out drew that out by looking at verse four and verse twenty-six, where verse twenty-six on the second part of the sixth day, God said, Let us make man in our image. And it helped us see that the reason why why God made the world and why God made people is He, meaning the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, wanted to expand their circle to include us. Not as their equals but so that we could enjoy the perfect relationship that's enjoyed within the the mysterious three in oneness of the Trinity, that we could be involved in perfect exchanges of love and unity and glory. God wanted that perfect relationship he enjoyed within himself between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to be enjoyed by people. And so that's the why part of this. And all of chapter one is inviting us to sing the song of creation. Creation says, my master made me, I'm doing, how, doing what he made me to do. And he says, I'm good. And God sings over his creation. I see you and you're good. I see you and you're good. And the tension is we human beings are the one part of God's creation that can push back and not do what he made us to do. And we have. And that prevents us from singing along with that song. Because when we say, our song kind of goes like, God says that I'm good and I disagree. And so we talked about how that points us to Jesus. Now, let's transition. Let's look at these days of creation and what you're going to see here and I'm not if I say Marie Kondo do any of you know who that is she um, she was big on organizing and decluttering and she talked about this whole thing of here's the way you start sorting out your closet your trunk your old bins and boxes of things and stuff and lotions and potions if it sparks joy in your heart you keep it if it doesn't spark joy you find a new home for it Um, And she became, I don't know that she has as much steam as she did when she first burst on the scene. But I identify a little bit with that because within me, I'm a little on the unhealthy side of my need for things to be organized, decluttered, straightened. It makes my heart happy. And sometimes if I walk, if if I'm in a space that's disorganized and I have to spend a lot of time there, it's almost like my circuits can't fire until it's been organized. Like, if I'm sitting down to write my sermon, and I know I've got an hour before, you know, they're going to beat down the door, and I've got an hour, and I'm in the room, and I'm like, oh, but that bookshelf is, I mean, the, the books don't go from tall to small. They're out of order. I like, I, ha- I can't. I didn't realize until my adulthood that that's not normal. I didn't realize that that is an issue. <laughs> not the fact, that I think we all, most of us, would prefer an organized, straightened space to a disorganized one. It's just how we prioritize the time we put into organizing varies. And in my world, I was just kind of like, well, the number one most is my relationship with God and then how things are ordered, and then everything else. It's a problem. But when I read through Genesis 1 and I look at it from a 30,000-foot view, what I see is a God whose main activity was supplying order and form to chaos in Genesis chapter 1. And I'm like, I've been in some spaces that were chaos. I walk into my boys' room sometimes, and it is formless and void. And darkness covers the face of the floor. And I look into Genesis chapter 1, and here's what I see. I see a God who is able, and this is the big idea. I'll give this to you and then we'll read the this section here because I'm, I'm doing it in the reverse of what the tech team has. I see a God who replaces chaos with form, and, with form and order. And it's so practical how he does it. He sorts first into two piles. And then he takes the good pile and he organizes it. He prioritizes it and he puts it in sequence. And then he turns to us and he says i did the hard work now you maintain it and i love that we can look into this chapter and at least have a starting place for one of two things one how do i keep my rightly ordered life in order two how do i deal with the chaos in my life and get it back in order it's right here it's very clear and I think you can get it the first time you hear it because it makes logical sense and it's absolutely the way that God re- God approaches this whole situation in Genesis chapter 1. So I want I want us to walk through this together. Let me read the whole section at once and then I'm just going to draw out three statements that shows us how God spoke over chaos and brought perfect form and order to it. I say perfect form and order there's a debate around the word perfect and there's probably some room in that uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 6 and I want you to see the pattern again because here's the pattern even if you haven't read it does it sound familiar God said it happened God saw and he said it was good God said it he saw what he said it happened and then he said it's good You'll see this repeated. That's the poetry part of it. That's the song part of this. So, uh, and I'll lean into that a little bit today. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heaven from the waters of the earth. Now, the only thing he did before this was God said, let there be light, and there was light, right? Okay, he said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heaven from the waters of the earth. And that's what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. I'm just glad, somebody needs to hear this. I'm glad sometimes God can reach into one space of your life, and even though you might not like it, he separates it so that there's a new space. And you're saying, oh, he took... He took my job away, he took that relationship away, he took this thing away, he took, but what it does at the very least, it creates a new space that he can rename something else and maybe you couldn't enjoy that until he made some space there. So he can even create by separating something out of your life and making a vacuum in there that he can rename and give you something new out of it. Uh, That was extra and that just hit me right now. God called the space sky and evening passed and morning came marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear and that is what happened god called the dry ground land and the waters seas and god saw that it was good then god said let the land sprout with vegetation every sort of seed bearing plant and trees that grow seed bearing fruit these seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came so much practical in that and that is what happened the land produced vegetation all sorts of seed-bearing plants you see you reap what you sow god put this you don't you don't sow greed and reap generosity that's not how it works you reap what you sow you things grow out of the seed that they are you don't get corn from tomatoes you get tomatoes from tomatoes okay god designed that that's what happened the land produced vegetation all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruits their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind and god saw that it was good evening passed Morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let the lights appear in the sky to separate the day from night. This is the fourth day, right? Am I losing track? Is it the fourth day? What day did he create the sun? Two of you with me? We're on the fourth day. Let lights appear. Four. What day did light appear? So where did the light come from before the sun? Isn't that beautiful? You see, God made the sun. But God didn't need the sun to be light. God dwells in impenetrable light. And in the new heavens and the new earth, if you read it in Revelation 21 and 22, it says heaven will be filled with light without a sun. S-U-N. Right? Because God himself is light. So it's just kind of a cool little part of the story there. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that's what happened. Verse 16. God made two great lights. The larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. One to shine and one to reflect the light into the darkness. That's, that's us, David says in Psalm 148. He said it, I didn't. You and I weren't made to shine, we were made to reflect. We're to reflect accurately the light of the sun into the dark place so that those who are stumbling around in darkness can see enough light until it's dawn, okay? That's what we were made to do. That's a great idea, I just didn't come up with it, David. did. Um, I'm just repeating what he said. Uh, God set these lights in the sky verse 18 to govern the day and night and to separate the light from darkness to separate the light from darkness you need to see that God sorts separates light from darkness two piles God started by sorting and separating light and darkness okay and God saw that it was good let's keep shucking along verse 20 Oh I'm sorry 19 evening passed morning came marking the fourth day then God said let the waters swarm with fish some of your versions say teeming let the let the waters teem with life I love that and other life. see God didn't imagine that these seas he made would just be filled with just enough he wanted them to swarm and thrive with life let the skies be filled with birds of every kind so God created great sea creatures maybe Loch Ness monster I don't know and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every kind of bird and each producing offspring of the same kind and God saw that it was good then God blessed them saying be fruitful multiply let fish fill the seas let the earth, birds multiply on the earth and evening passed and morning came marking the fifth day and we'll just tackle this part yet God said then then God said let the earth produce every sort of animal each producing offspring of the same kind livestock small animals that scurry along the ground uh and that and that is what happened god made all sorts of wild animals livestock small animals each able to produce offspring of the same kind god saw that it was good and may he add his blessing to the reading of the word so doubling down again the big idea is that god this is the story of how and why god replaced hebrew and greek same word here the chaos with form and order Now, I probably should define chaos briefly. I'm not going to go the whole route of teaching the three C's of chaos theory and the butterfly effect and everything else this morning. I'm not going down that trail with you today. What I will tell you is a very basic definition of chaos is no form, no order, completely random. Again, maybe like the glove box of your car. Or the one closet that when company comes over, you're hoping they don't open by accident and get killed by everything falling on them. You have a junker just right out the closet. Maybe your calendar is without form and order. Probably because you don't have a calendar. You have one you don't use or you don't put things in it. Maybe your finances. Complete chaos, there's no order. You just hope enough comes in to, to, to make it through the end of the day. Maybe you live with someone and your relationship with them is chaos. God spoke and systematically and intentionally introduced sorting Organization, sequence, and priority, and brought form and order out of chaos. God does not prefer chaos. In fact, God prefers form and order. Proverbs 8:22. The Lord formed me from the beginning before he created anything else, says the writer. Now on, on the one hand, that sounds kind of backwards. God didn't make man first and then everything else. How would man have lived if he made him on day one? Right. What he's saying is he's talking about, what he's saying is, is, the, is the writer of that proverb recognized that before God could bring certain created things into his life, there had to be some formation of his own life first. That we are formed. That there is a formation process. That when we're born as infants, we are not immediately productive contributors to society. There is some formation that happens. You walk before you run. You crawl before you walk. There's just a certain formation in that. Uh, Psalms 37, 23 and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Some translations say this, the Lord, uh, the steps of a righteous man are ordered, put in sequence by the Lord. In other words, sometimes God says, you're saying, God, 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 I, I really need you to come through in this. And God says, well, that might be step seven, but you haven't taken step one first. Why am I going to talk to you about step seven? There's an order. I will tell you, as a believer, this can be a big source of frustration. When you and God rank the order of the sequence of how things should unfold in your life differently. And you're saying, God, I don't want to wait for the pancake to be done on that side to flip it. I'm hungry now. And God's saying, you better wait or it's going to be a mess. You better wait until that thing is formed before you try and fill it. The Bible says God puts the steps, of that he has steps, that he has a plan, and he puts them in order. And then 1 Corinthians 14, God is not a God of disorder. Greek word, God is not a God of chaos, but a God of peace. He was using that to describe a church service. Pastor, we need more chaos. No, that's not God's design. We should just come in and everybody says whatever they think and feel. No. That that didn't work then, it doesn't work now. You know what that is? It's chaos. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of peace, as should all the meetings be of God's holy people. God desires to bring form and order into chaos. Let me tell you why this sits near and dear to my heart. I love a nice, organized room. My boys came from me genetically, and yet they do not... they do not maintain nice and organized room. We have a, finished base, a partially finished basement in our, our house. It's built in the 50s, so it's low ceilings. It was added later on, but it's enough for them to go down there, and we can put the toys down there. Now, being the good dad that I am, I feel like I have reasonable expectations for the boys and the family. You know i recognize that they're not going to keep everything needed in order all the time but at least once a week if you don't call us on monday because we're straightening okay we we do good at keeping the house clean but straightened and ordered another whole task all together and so you know in my world it's like you you you, you straighten before you clean how can you vacuum a floor that's not straightened like it's got to be straightened um I I, I live in a world where I'm like, my idea of chaos is opening up the refrigerator and one of the labels is backwards. I know. Listen, I have legitimately spent a lot of time in therapy because here's the way my brain was wired. That is the right way that, I didn't get this at home. I wasn't like this as a kid. I don't know, I could tell you, but then I'd owe you a copay. There was, I don't know why I got to a place in my life where I'm like, I can't function until this whole refrigerator has been organized. You see, we're bonding. It's organized. All the condiments are in the condiment shelf. They're top to bottom. All the labels are this way so that when I open it up, I don't have to wonder if we have it or not. I can just see it and I know where to look. And how dare anybody in their broken state put something back in there where it doesn't belong. And if they do, the best thing I can do is shut it all down and have a family meeting. Like, I'm serious. That's where I was. Because I'd straighten it. And then, when anybody, and then there was a slow grieving process over it becoming unstraightened. And so that's where I started, and I'm on my journey. I really am. And I'm like, you know, this is not going to be compatible with my family because in my household, I'm alone in this passion. They all value organization, but it's like 15th on the list because they'll say, I don't have time. And I'm thinking, I don't have time either, but it's number two on the priority list. So I say no to other things to straighten it up. Enough of that. You're going to offer me marital counseling later. No, she's right, I'm wrong. That's, all that, that's, all, that's how we solve it. She's right, I'm wrong. But with the boys like there's one spot of the house that i try not to walk through all that often because it sets me off and that's where they play in the basement but one day a week we're going to straighten it's monday night well two mondays ago two things fell on the same night boys haircuts and straightening the basement so we had to divide and conquer so Kendra said i'll take the boys for the haircuts you're the better straightener can you tackle that this week i said i'm on it I, i you know i put my worship music in i walked down the steps and i looked you need to understand all i ask my boys is like look I will the first time that you come down to the basement I give them an orientation to their play space it happened once I said we went to this high-end Swedish build-it-yourself store in White Marsh and we bought cubicles we've labeled all the little boxes that nest perfectly in the cubicles we've taken pictures of how the room looks right now all we ask this is stasis all we ask is once a week it returns to this. Lincoln Logs go in the Lincoln Log tote that says Lincoln Logs. Legos go in the tote that says Legos. Boys, Legos and Lincoln Logs don't play together. They're separate. This is the puzzle box. I'm gonna be real, honestly, I didn't even want to introduce puzzles into the house. But all we ask is that once a week, the puzzles, all the pieces are counted, they're put back in the box, they can, and these are reasonable expectations. They go back in the appropriate box and they go back in the puzzle drawer. And the reason we had so many puzzles is because all the other parents at church are like, we wanna bless you. And they give us all their, you know? Here's where the superheroes go. There is a tote for the DC superheroes. There's a tote for the, for the Marvel superheroes. They don't play with each other, see? You understand, here's where the marbles go. Boys, the Hot Wheels tracks don't mix with the ones we got from the cheap store, so they go in different boxes. All I ask is that once a week, the Thomas the Train things go in here. They're different sizes. The ones that are too little for the wood tracks, go. reasonable expectations. I came down the steps. Chaos. I'm talking about, I, I know we have carpet down there. I couldn't see it. There was a slurry of Lincoln Logs and Legos in marbles and Hot Wheel tracks and puzzle pieces. It's like someone had put them in a, in a 55 gallon drum, a vat, swirled them around and just dumped them indiscriminately everywhere. I'm having a moment, I, I felt something pop up here. I think it's, because I felt sweat just burst out. I'm having maybe a little PTSD from this you say unrealistic expectations well yeah i realize. well maybe just a little bit and i'm just like how on earth i couldn't walk anywhere lincoln logs were mixed with legos There were stuffed animals with custom jerseys from a battle they had with nerf guns and now these darts are everywhere they used non-nerf missiles with nerf branded guns things were jammed to be honest i didn't know where to begin i had no idea Honestly, my first thought was, I am just going to go back up the steps. I'm going to nail the door shut, and that's it. Like, guys, we just don't talk about the basement anymore. It's too much of a mess we gave. I made it, and all I asked you to do was maintain it. So I read this chapter, and I'm like, you know what? God is able to speak, because my life looks like, has looked like that before. God gave me a plan of how it all goes in order, and you know what? I just said, but I kind of like it this other way. I started mixing a little of this with a little of that. I had a problem over here and it leaked into something else. And now my relationships and my work and my physical health and my mental health and my finances, it's just this, it's just chaos. And I don't even know where to begin to untangle it. Now, maybe you've not been there, but do you know someone who's been in that spot? Yeah. So i turn off the worship music because I wasn't thinking godly thoughts. And I'm like, what do I do here? And I was like, you know what? There's really, I just, I'm going to just start somewhere. I'm going to start by sorting. I'm going to grab the Lincoln Log box. I'm going to start just throwing Lincoln Logs in there, and then we'll deal with the next thing next. And Two hours later, it was looking nice. And there was a, just a I can't wait till they come home and see this. I mean, these guys are going to just understand how much I love them. They're going to be so thrilled. The boy, boys come home, where's dad? Where's dad? Come on down here, guys. I want to show you something. And I'm like all proud. I'm like, look, everything is put away, and it's labeled, and my six-year-old's how dare you how dare i what where is my racetrack where is the swimming pool the stuffed animals were in the third quarter it wasn't even over yet you've ruined it so that was the part that doesn't preach as well but here i think i'm doing something helpful and they're like man how dare you straighten out my chaos it was ordered to me I knew which pile of the things were in. The reality is, if we use that as an analogy, if your life hasn't if your life hasn't ever looked like that, this passage helps you maintain it and it'll tell you why. If your life used to look like a straightened up room and now there's part of the room that's like I don't even want to go over there anymore it's a mess I'm just gonna pretend like it's not there right now Let's just throw a blanket over it hang a picture and not turn the lights on and not go in that room some of you don't go in certain rooms or look in certain cupboards because you just know it's a mess and once you look at it you're accountable and now it's just like I just would rather pretend it's not there God gives you confidence to open that door of your life or of your house and he shows us how we can be like him and approach chaos with order. You sort. You sequence and prioritize and organize. And once it's good, you maintain it. Because that's what happened in Genesis chapter 1. He separated light from darkness. He sorted it into two piles. The good from the not good. And then he says, the not good should never be mixed with this. So once you've sorted those two things out, let's look at the good pile now and make sure it's in the right order because even good things can get out of order and cause some chaos. And once you get it sorted and ordered and organized in God's way, then we have to do the work of maintaining because here's the thing, life does not drift towards order, it drifts towards chaos. Your laundry doesn't naturally drift towards clean and folded. Your house doesn't drift towards clean. The easiest thing to do is just let it, if we just leave it alone, it's just going to be a big mess it's going to drift towards chaos am i right so here it is let's just give it to you i'll give you three things that i see here real quick first god forms then he fills that's what he did there's a beautiful symmetry in this chapter i'm gonna bring this back out again riley thank you again i'm using this twice um there's a beautiful symmetry to chapter one six days of creation the first three days god forms days four five and six he fills what he formed on day one he fills on day four what he formed on day two he filled on day five and what he formed on day three he filled on day six he doesn't do them in reverse order there's a reason why he did this in fact Riley did this for us a couple of weeks ago I'm gonna bring it out again day one God formed light by separating it from darkness Day two, he formed sky and water. Day three, he formed land and vegetation. Now watch this. On day four, he filled the skies with luminaries. With the sun, with the light, with the the sun, with the moon, with the stars. Understand, they needed a place, they needed an environment that was ready for them. First, even though we wanted this, it had to wait in the right order for it to thrive. Day five, he made fish and he made birds. Why didn't he make them before this? Because they would not have survived without a sky to fly in and water to swim in. A fish can live out of water for moments. But there was a reason for that. On day six, he made you know, mankind, he made animals, but they needed. but before he made them, they needed land. To produce vegetation they could eat from and environments that they could live in, you understand it wasn't just chaotic theory. It wasn't just random ordering. This was a very specific, intentional God forms, then he fills. Forming is a requirement for filling. And a lot of the wisdom conversations I get into with people, where they're they're frustrated about the timing of the life. The frustra- frustration is the result of things not moving on your timeline. They're moving faster than you want or slower than you want, and it re- results in frustration. And there is a frustration many believers experience when they say, There is some type of a life milestone that I'm waiting for, and it's not coming as fast as I want it to come, and I'm frustrated with this. Pastor, and basically they went, Pastor, how do we accelerate God? And we have to kind of pause. That's already a faulty question that puts lordship in the wrong. Like he needs to work on my time, t- timeline. The, usually the reason is, is that we want the filling when God's not done with the forming. And now, if God gives you what you want when you want it before it's time, You'll probably crash and sometimes in god's mercy he lets you taste the feeling without the forming and you say "Mm, i should have just been patient and waited there's an order to things i'm glad there is i recently uh had to switch doctors my previous doctor of 12 years he retired i didn't know he was retiring before the next appointment and i got an email before my last six month checkup saying uh your accounts have been you know from dr roy to dr kelsey and i'm like i think that's a girl Now, let me just, before you get mad at me, let me, I have no issues with men, doctors, women, doctors, no issues. Here's the thing, as I've only ever had male doctors, and so I'm a little bit like, I don't know this Kelsey, there's some different letters after her name that my doctor doesn't have, and so I'm a little more, I'm always nervous about the doctor, but I was extra nervous this last minute, so I sit down and she's like, listen, let's just get to know one another a little bit, let me ask you some questions, and she starts asking me all the same questions that Dr. Roy asked me 12 years ago when we first met. And I recognize there's certain questions she asks me. I'm less comfortable talking to her about than Dr. Roy. I'm not going to give you any examples. but I'm just like, there's just part of me because this was new to me. I'm like, I'm not. She's a girl. I I don't want to talk about. There's just some categories and things I don't want to talk about. And she's asking. She's asking very professionally. She's not making eye contact or whatever. And I am just like, this is awful. But I, I made it through all the answers. I gave all the questions. I gave mostly honest answers. And <laughs> <laughs> doctors' jobs are hard, man. They got to depend on us telling them the accurate information. And that's that's just hard. I know we have doctors here, and you understand what I'm saying. And then it came turn for my... She said, would you have any questions for me? I was like, well, actually, I'm just curious. I was like, well, you know, tell me about your family. Do you have kids, blah, 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 And she's like, yeah, I have a six-year-old and a 10-year-old. was like, so tell me about your education. And I'm not... I'm trying to be, I don't want to think that like, oh, I think you're a girl, so I'm going to put, you. it's the same question I asked Dr. Roy, but here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I don't want to hear. Well, when I say, you know, Dr. Dr. Kelsey, what's your educational background? Here's what I was hoping to hear. Uh, I decided to go into medicine. I went to this many years of school. After that, I worked here and there. And because of all this experience in education, I'm qualified to give you medical advice. That's what I was hoping to hear. Here's what I didn't want to hear. Well, it's interesting that you say that, you know, six months ago, Um, you know, I was really curious and so I started watching YouTube videos on medicine (laughs) and I watched like eight sessions and then I went to Google and I downloaded a certificate and I applied for the job and they were desperate for help and so I got some, um, you know, I got some, you know, custom monogrammed clothes and here I am. I didn't want to hear someone said, you know what, um, I think medical school is awesome and 10 years from now I might get some medical education. But first, I wanted to start getting paid without student loans. And so here I am. Now, you understand getting experience and watching YouTube videos. There's a certain sequence in order. I want my doctor to have a certain amount of formation before they start giving me medical advice. Amen? Right. And yet, there's a lot of times you and I want things to be brought in our lives before we're ready. We want to get married maybe before we're ready. We want to have kids before we're ready. We want to have a big paycheck. I wonder how these young men and women that now can sign NIL agreements while they're in college. You know, I'm looking at, you know, Deion Sanders' kids driving. a. Drive. Listen, if someone offers you a contract to pay you $500,000 a year to use your name and likeness when you're in college, listen, I'm signing it too. Okay, I went to Bible college. No one, they, I, I wrote checks, I didn't get checks. I'm not hating on somebody for getting paid. Get your paper, you know, do yours, right? Here's the thing, though. You're driving $130,000 Mercedes at 21. I don't have an issue. My saying is, do you know what to do with a $130,000 car at 20? In fact, if you have $130,000 at 20, I suggest you're going to spend it different than you would at 50. Most of oh, I wish I would have had wealth at that age. What would you have done with it? Come on. Someone give you 500 grand at 18, I'm going to open up, you know, I'm going to go buy some index funds, and I'm going to, probably not. You're going to take everybody you know down to the spot, and you're going to, hey, let's go to TJ Maxx and shut it down, you know? (laughs) You get a Yeti, and you get a Yeti, and you get a Yeti, you know, everybody, on me. Why? Because we recognize if you get some of these things early and you're not formed, it might not be life to you. I see the mercy and why God didn't bring kids into our life at the time that we were praying for because God knew there were parts of my character that weren't ready to be a dad. And had those boys, had God given us our boys before God did radical surgery at that point in my life, the damage that I already inflicted on other people by my own failures would have been extended upon them too. I'm not suggesting at all for one moment that if you have a desire in your heart to have children and you don't have them yet, that it's because of some formation issues in your life. I'm not suggesting that to you at all. I'm just saying, I see it in my own life and I can look back on it. And I am thankful that even though those years were really difficult and painful for us, I'm glad that God said, you know, if I would have answered your prayer when you said it, that wouldn't have been life. That would. Have... And here's the thing. On God's highway, a lot of times we take the off-ramp. But I'm thankful that he also makes an on-ramp. Even when you get things out of order, you're not doomed. I can't tell you how many people said, Pastor, we started our relationship the wrong way, but we're not gonna stay that way. Now that we have Jesus in our life, we're gonna put some things back in order. Not too late for that. We celebrate that. God deals with stuff in the order that he deals with it, but first God forms, then he fills. Is it possible today that 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 good thing you're waiting for God to fill in your life, he's withholding until he's done forming something in your life to contain it and so it can thrive? Is that possible possible he, second thing God intends light and darkness to be mutually exclusive now I, I'm not good at science talk it's hard for my brain to understand that before God spoke light and darkness and land and water were all chaotically mixed together in one soup I don't I don't even know if that's good enough to explain it. I don't get it but before God spoke it was just chaos you know why that's hard to understand because God said let light be separated from darkness and light and darkness are never in the same place at the same time. They're not. You can fill this room with cubic, dark, cubic feet of darkness. I don't know what it is. One of the engineers in the first service probably figured it. Did you do this? Oh, you were just sitting? Okay. I figured John probably just did this off the top of his head, you know. You could fill this whole room with all the cubic feet of darkness. You get out one. Well, no, you, you wouldn't get out a match or a lighter. We're in church. You'd get out your iPhone and you turn on that little tiny light and it would beat all the darkness every time. You don't say, you know what, let's get some darkness and extinguish the light, doesn't work. Light always wins because God designed it that way. And this introduces this idea of light darkness imagery throughout the Bible. This is symbolic of another thing. Let me read a few verses to you to drive it all home. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and darkness can never extinguish it. John 3, 1, 19, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than light for their actions were evil. This is what's crazy. Another way we don't image God is that we don't love what he loves, we don't hate what we hate. What he calls good, we don't call good. What he calls bad, we don't call bad. We wanna blur it all together and customize it. And God says, I've told you what is light and what is holy and what isn't. The problem is y'all love what's dark. Even as a Christian you can say, I know it's dark, but I still kind of am drawn toward it. Because it feels good, it makes me feel right, it feels appropriate and just and everything else. Like I just..." Like, I know I shouldn't want it, but I still want it. And God said, that's the problem. We still crave darkness. I love this one. Luke eleven thirty four. 34. 9 a.m. service thought this was really good, and I had to remind him. I didn't write this. I'm just reading it. Jesus says, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually Darkness. You want to talk about a painful lesson as a believer, you wait until that moment where God somehow, way shows your heart, all your life you've thought you were right in this approach, right in this belief, right in this action, and I'm showing you you're not right, you're wrong. And you're like, God, I've done that in the name of Jesus. That's painful, but it's gracious. I'd rather him correct me than let me go on hurting myself and others that way. Jesus replied in John 12, 35, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness can't see where they're going. 2 Corinthians, Paul quotes from Genesis 1, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that's seen in the face of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 6, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Other translations say, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness how can light live with darkness for once you were full of darkness ephesians 5 says but now you have light from the lord so live as people of light in genesis 1 god said this i am light and i'm going to make something in the way the universe works to make this clear to you light and darkness can't be in the same space there's probably more darkness than light you can make dark by shutting out the only way you make dark is by shutting out the light that's, it's the absence of light and every time they fight light will always win and i've made you as people of light the way of the world the way of sin is like darkness and my way is like light and he says to his believers once you're saved now it's up to you to live as people as light don't you go around mixing your light with darkness And I wonder in the relationships that you have with unbelievers, and we are supposed to have them. Paul says, live wisely among unbelievers, engaging them in conversations about Jesus and finding out where they are so we can help. I don't teach, we don't teach, we don't model that as Christians we're supposed to separate ourselves, we're supposed to relationally withdraw from the people of the world. What I am saying is that you don't go into those circles of people and act like the world and behave like the world and think you're evangelizing the influence I'm supposed to have is that in these wise relationships God's going to have opportunities to draw out from me his character and his feelings that when they're drawn out they are going to confront other beliefs and values and feelings I'm not talking about an argument it just happens there's reactions and responses that come out of us there's values that we embrace priorities that we have that function like a light to the darkness And I need to prepare you for this if you don't know already when you Walk closely in relationship with someone who doesn't know God like you do. When he draws out of you his light, it is going to confront their darkness at times. It will either make them curious or they will feel convicted. When it makes them curious, they'll lean in and they'll want to know why. Sometimes the behavior that comes out of you that's light shines on their opposite belief and out of that conviction, they'll do fight or flight. They'll either withdraw from you relationally or they'll want to stand up against it. You need to be prepared for this that's how light and darkness confront but let me give you an example of how God can redeem this usually I give you bad examples about me but this one's fresh in my mind I've got to give Jesus credit for this some of you know on my day off which is Friday uh, when when it's permitted after I get the boys on the bus I drive up to uh, an auction in Pennsylvania and a uh, Carhartt was with me this last Friday and we went to a live auction for me it's the best of people watching it's just great it's fun Um, About a dozen years ago, I started an e-commerce business and I source inventory at auctions and I just try and resell stuff for more than I paid for it um, because Ramsey got to me and I was like, I need to get, you know, I need need to get after some financial goals. And so this has been a good avenue for me because I can do it on my day off as I have time. So I'm at the auction and, um, you know, we're bidding live and there's, you know, I like to stand in the back so I can get a lay of the land and know the psychology of the room and who's bidding on what. And so, um, one of the lots that came up for auction was a box, you know, about the size of a soda case filled with old plastic Hubley toy vehicles. Probably means nothing to you. I, I, one of the few things up there that I collect that I run into are old Hubley toys because Hubley was a toy making company in Lancaster, Pennsylvania that before 1971 branded all their toys that way. They started making cast iron toys in the 20s and 30s and door stops. And, and things like that, and then they made pressed metal and die-cast toys, and then they got sold to Gabriel, now they don't make toys anymore, but it's a connection to my childhood because from 9th to 12th grade, I lived in Lancaster, I graduated from a high school there, and my grandparents lived there, so I have a little case at home that Dr. Joe gave me a while ago when they were cleaning out one of their offices, and I have a little plastic case at home, and that's where I put my Hubley toys, and I have a plastic case because I also like to be organized, and I know myself well enough, I'm not going to hoard these toys. Once it's full, it's full, and if I find a new one, another one has to go so that's kind of my you know i've quarantined it to one spot this thing comes up in the auction and i'm like there might be a couple in there that i haven't had and if it goes low if it's low enough i might take a couple spins at it and try and get it so i wait until the, they do a dutch auction which means he'll start at a higher number and he'll keep lowering the number until he gets a bid and then build it back up from there got the whole way down to a buck and then a couple people start bidding it goes one two four six eight and i'm thinking it's gonna go i think i think it's probably gonna go to 20 or 30 bucks it stalls at eight And I'm like, all right, I hadn't been paying attention to who'd have been bidding on what, but now I'm interested. I'm thinking I could run this thing to 20 and be happy with it, because I can keep the three that I want, sell the others for a hundred bucks and I'm golden. So I, I take a spin at 10. Now I'm winning at 10. And then another bid comes in right after that at 12. And I look over and it's a guy I don't know personally, but I know of him, he's there every week. I know he has, he actually runs his, he has a, he's an auctioneer that has his own store in New Jersey. And so he comes to source inventory there too. So he bids at 12. And I make a quick decision inside of me. I don't need that stuff. And quite frankly, I, had a, I was already way ahead for the day. So I'm like, I'm not going to run this guy. I'm not trying to take food off anybody's table. It was just, you know, all these things happen in a moment. I'm just like, I'm, just, I'm not going to bid against him. Not for this. Just let him have it. I'll wait for the next thing. And so he gets it at 12. And it's me and then Carhart, and then this guy. We're all standing in the back. And he looks over at me and he goes, thanks for running me up. And I'm thinking, first of all, you don't know a thing. You want me to run you? Oh, I'll run you. That's not right. I ran you up uh, $2. Running up in the auction world is when you don't intend to buy something, but you know someone else really really wants it. And just to stick it to them, you go back and forth with them. Now, it's a game. You could get stuck holding the bag. And I've done that before. Um, As a strategy, I'm like, this person really wants it. But if I know they have X amount of money today, if I can run them up and they'll spend it on that, I can get the next thing cheaper, which Jesus is working on my heart on that, all right? (laughs) He gets it. He looks at me. He goes, thanks for running me up. And okay you know when the little demon and the little angel come up on your shoulder let me tell you in that i just so you understand i'm just like first of all in my own mind i'm already ready because when you do that like i throw hands second i throw words first so i'm just like and i'm better with words than hands so i'm like i'm thinking first of all he said running up that's not true i'm going to go confront this guy and make sure that i win an argument about what running up really is and how that didn't happen Second of all, I'm gonna shame him for making, making it sound like at the end of the day what I need to do is run him up four whole dollars over a box he's gonna 5X his money on. And then there's this other feeling that was coming up at the same time saying, dummy, don't do that. Go speak softly to him. And this is all happening in seconds. Seconds. And I start moving to the guy, already he's going up to get his box and come back to the back, I'm going to intersect him. And the first step I was on red, and then the second step, I'm on the angel thing of it. And I'm just, and I, didn't, I didn't think a whole lot. I'm just like, no, this, this kind of, I'm going to run with this. And I just walk over to him and I put my hand on his shoulder. And I'm like, bro. He's like, I wasn't trying to run you. I was like, I collect Hubley toys. I was like, I wasn't, in other words, I'm telling him I'm a collector. I'm not just doing this to run you. I was genuinely interested in those and it's a good price. I was like, I collect Hubley toys. He interrupts me. He goes, this is my whole life. This is my whole business. I'm thinking a box of plastic toys. Like, bro, like, get along. Like, this is not man if that's your whole life but i I, I, he's like no this is my whole life i was like listen i understand this is your business i said i did not know you were the one who had bid eight dollars when i bid 10. i said do you remember what just happened when i bid 10 and you bid 12 then i saw it was you and i stopped and you got it well you ran me an extra four bucks i said and carhartt was there i said i'll give you the other four dollars i was like it's four bucks like i'm not trying to run you on this and he just turned his back and he stomped out and he took the stuff to his car and i went back to carhartt i'm like that went well you know, and I'm just standing there, and I, and I you know, I'm just kind of there rationalizing, I'm like Zach. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, you know, I'm not trying to run him. I was like, I have run people before. You know that too. There's certain guys that I run because I think they deserve it. But it, I'm not. You know, I run, you know, you know, I run Greeny all the time because he deserves it. He's dirty. He'll hide stuff in other boxes and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, like you can play at that acting. That should cost you 20s. Going to cost you 400 today. Like, like I, I, it's terrible. I'm sorry. There's no sermon value here, uh, Jim and Carol. I'm sorry. I'm wasting your time. Look. But here's what happened. Like about 10 minutes later, we're standing there watching the auction, and a hand comes on my shoulder, and I turn around, and it's the dude. He won't even look me in the eyes, looking like this. He goes, bro, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I was not, this was not the part of the story I was expecting. I didn't ask for an apology. Something happened between when he left the room and when he came back. Something was working on, when he was confronted with, and Zach said in the, car, uh, on, in the car on the way home. He goes, he goes, well, isn't there, doesn't it say in the Bible that a soft answer turns away wrath, and I, I'm looking back over my shoulder saying, that's right, and I was totally not even thinking that nobly at the time. I wasn't, I just felt in my heart that my first reaction shouldn't be my final response, and thankfully, in five seconds, God was able to at least get enough of my attention to slow the roll of the darkness in me and draw some light out, and what happened was that light, I believe spiritually, acted on that guy's heart, and he thought, The dude's right i shouldn't have responded that way he comes over come to find out he had consigned a whole bunch of overruns from his auction house to that to this auction the week prior expecting to get a certain amount of money out of it when he opened up the check that day it was like a tenth of what he was expecting and so he was counting on that money for his business so he's already thinking i'm already way behind i took a big financial loss today and here i'm thinking i'm getting this for eight and someone's running me up i wasn't i wasn't the cause of the chaos but it it triggered and it gave me an opportunity to either feed into it. And if we would have gotten to throwing hands, I'd have been done like that. He he, he could clean me here to there and three times to Sunday. He, uh, It wasn't going to go that way, but it just, for whatever reason, that light got drawn out. And when it poked on that guy's heart, it brought a sense of, wow, that is probably the way I should be responding here. Just a little more level-headed and understanding. There was a misunderstanding and letting it go rather than getting, and he came back and apologized. Of course, then he said, uh, and I'm opening up a new business and maybe you guys want to come up and see. I'm thinking, okay, he's also thinking I'm a potential client and he wants, there's a lot of that in there. But here's what I want you to know. You have the light living within you if you're in Christ. And in these moments that you usually don't prepare for, you can recognize both of those instincts going on. I would like to tell you that every story I could tell you is where the light went out. It didn't always went out. Sometimes it said, nope, we're rolling with darkness today. <laughs> Not proud of that, but but that's happening less and less as the years roll by. So let me move to the third point, final point. I think I've shared this a lot already. God orders our lives so we can thrive. It's for our best. In fact, worship team, why don't you come? As I always say, that'll keep this point really short. I just love this language. God made two great lights to govern. And then he says this, let the waters swarm with fish another life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. Let the earth produce every kind of animal. God knows what is good. He's not some vague moral neutral. He knows what's good and organizes his creation result in something good. The reason why God forms before he fills is so we can thrive. Formation is for our benefit, not our punishment. I know, like, if, like, I remember my sophomore year, I thought college was for punishment. I'm like, this isn't fun. Why am I taking this class? I want to be a pastor. Why do I need to know about sociology? This is punishment. Why do I need to take volleyball as a phys ed elective? How is this going to? I didn't know anything about church picnics at that point. So I'm like, I see where that one paid off later on. (laughs) Like, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you know, you get this analogy God gives. He says, you are like, the way God forms us is similar process to the way an ancient potter would take clay and form it into a vessel. It's a process. But it's because we want that vessel to serve its purpose and thrive. God separates into two piles and says, here's the light and here's the darkness. Then he looks at that light pile. And he says, let me put that in order so you can thrive. Your relationship with me comes first. If you're in a marriage relationship, relationship with spouse comes second you have kids that comes third and then there's all life's other things there's work and there's volunteering and there's ministry and there's friendships and there's hobbies and there's all kinds of other things but he at least starts with a pretty specific order and here's what I can tell you even when those top few things that are good in our life get out of order there's chaos if work perpetually comes between you and your spouse, if finances alienate you from the type of parent you should be to your kids, if, if, if those good things get out of order, we don't thrive. You, you remember Abraham wanted a kid so bad, he gets a son and then God says, I need to make sure that his son doesn't become his God and tests Abraham to make sure that it's in the right priority order. And why does God do that? He wants you to thrive. He wants you to thrive. So if your life isn't in chaos today, you know why? It's because you've separated as best you can with God's help, the light from the darkness in your life and you're not giving place to the darkness, you're living in light. And among all the good things that are in the light, you've got them in the right order and the, because when you put things in the right order, they relate to each other the right way, you know? The earth has to relate to people and people relate to the earth. There's still relationships between all the parts of your life. When they're in the right priority order, things go well. When you start to experience pushback and bumping, things aren't great. Sometimes it's just because maybe even the good things are just not ordered. So have you built rhythms into your life where you can just take a step back and say, is it possible that some things might just be out of order? And then what corrective measures do I need to take? If you find your life in chaos, you start by sorting because sometimes it's just a matter of the reason your life is in chaos. It's choices you made that are dark choices. But other times it's, listen, I didn't go looking for chaos. Someone else's chaos came looking for me. So what of that can you do something about? How can we sort that in the light and dark? And then within the light options that you have, how do we put it in the right order? In the right relationship. In the right priority. So that you can thrive. It's not going to solve it's not going to give you a custom built solution for everything it'll at least work on closets i know that sort it <laughs> stuff that needs to go and stuff that needs to say and if the stuff that needs to say where how do you organize and put it in the right place so it relates to one another and you can find it but it works even more so when we see that this is the way that god brought life about and how he formed the world in a way that we can sort organize prioritize and thrive let me pray over you this morning i know there are or i hope there are some here, as there were in the 9 a.m. service. And you're wondering, where do I start? It's like we walked in the basement of your house, and you're like, Pastor, I realize there's chaos here, but I don't know where to start. I don't know what the Lincoln Logs and Legos are in my life. Here's where it starts. I'll help you. It starts with making things right with God and experiencing his free gift of salvation. It's making your relationship right with your dad through his son because of his spirit making you aware of your need for him. All you need to do is believe you need to be saved, believe that Jesus has the ability to save you and believe that he will save you if you ask. And then you confess that, you put that into words and you just tell God that and you express to him your choice today to get out from behind the driver's seat of your life and invite him to sit in that rightful place. And you recognize he's the Lord and you're not. And that the life that he imagines for you that is good and pleasing needs to be lived his way not yours when you believe that in your heart you just tell him that he sees your heart he hears your words and he does the saving you can pray a simple prayer Jesus I am a sinner please forgive me of my sins you are the Lord so please lead my life Today, I surrender to you, and I, co- I choose a life of cooperating with you, not fighting against you. I welcome the light of your spirit to come and live inside of me and help me each day to grow a little bit so that my thoughts are more like Jesus' thoughts, my feelings are more like Jesus' feelings, and my actions and behaviors look more like his. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer you are saved you don't have to do another thing but if you're if you're feeling brave and you want to celebrate that this morning i want to celebrate with you i'm going to count to three and if you prayed that prayer with me i wouldn't just encourage you lift up your hand make eye contact with me you can put your hand right back down i'm not going to ask another thing of you i just i just want to celebrate this moment with you so who prayed with me today one two three anybody at all heavenly father the rest of us i'm going to presume we know you I thank you that there are those in this room who you've put their life in order. And through your strength and their growth, that order is being maintained today. I pray that today just loads them with wisdom and affirmation. And maybe they now have a new vocabulary that you can bring someone into their circle this week who's experiencing chaos in an area of their life and you can give them a way to triage what's going on. You can supply an avenue of hope and and strategy through someone who is here today to someone who wasn't, who needs this message, that they can do some sorting, some prioritizing, some reorganizing, and find some traction. And those of us who know you but still admit to some chaos, Lord, shine your light into those areas today that we can take what we heard today and put it into practice day by day, week by week, month by month, so we can image you to this world. In your name we pray. We hope you enjoyed the Echo Community Church podcast. If you prayed that prayer at the end of the message and began following Jesus Christ today, we'd love to celebrate with you and give you some simple next steps to take as you begin your new life with him. Just email us at info at echochurchmd.com to let us know. If you'd like more information about Echo Community Church, you can check out our Facebook page or our website, echochurchonline.com thanks so much for listening